0: welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis. Wow, that was a great interview this last hour with Chaplin Stogman. Uh, What a fiery, passionate, fun guy to have in the studio. I so appreciate that. Well, my top of the second hour is always short you know it's my little short segment so I do a cruise through the news I want to mention that if you're looking and first of all hello to our listeners in Phoenix and Colorado Springs and Dallas this particular announcement only applies to Dallas which is SMU the Young America's Foundation just a great great group on campus is sponsoring an event on March 8th featuring Dennis Prager and he is of course uh, just a fabulous Fox News host just a great great guy this free admission is put on young americas foundation and it is at seven o'clock on march 8th in the hughes trig theater you can go to the uh you can email to ask some questions yaf.smu at gmail.com and yaf is like young americas foundation yaf smu at gmail. Great, great group, and I hope you can go to that. They would love to have you come. Also, I'm speaking there at the Young America's Foundation this coming Wednesday, um, and that is to talk about the uh, Second Amendment issues and you know what we do as a society to um, not just rah-rah Second Amendment gun rights, but you know what do we do to solve the more complex underlying problems as we were talking about in the last hour, that that led to this horrible, just horrific shooting in um, Florida and the other school shootings. And what do we do to mend and heal society? We're going to have... I'm going to speak, then there's going to be a panel. So, uh, and it's great. I just love going to SMU and talking to these young folks. Um, I also wanted to mention it is Black History Month, and I'm just uh, very grateful to be friends with Star Parker, uh, who is the founder of Cure, um, which is uh, based in Washington, Center for Urban Renewal and Education. And she is just tremendous about bringing the conservative message of, you know, of America, of, you know, family and and staying educated and, and, you know, just, just, Pursuing your way to the American dream um, and and not becoming dependent on the government as she did early in her life. So Cure is a fabulous group. And she was just recently appointed by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, appointed as a U.S. Commissioner on the Frederick Douglass Commission. And this is the uh, same gentleman we were talking about last hour, Frederick Douglass, uh, that is designed, it's entirely designed. The commission is to come up with a proposal to plan and develop and carry out programs to honor Frederick Douglass for the bicentennial anniversary of his birth. So, they must submit their plan by the end of or by beginning of August, and the activities um, take place starting next year in June of 2019. So, very cool honoring of her and Frederick Douglass's mission in life are very much akin to the mission uh, of, of Cure. So, love that. Okay, another subject since we're on the rolling uh, talking about uh, Black History Month, a little bit of political correctness and, and uh, backfiring in an extraordinary way. Uh, An unfortunate way, but at NYU, a great university in New York City, uh, New York University, the uh, cooks, the chef or whoever runs the food service there, decided to try to honor Black History Month. So he asked two black employees in the in the division who worked for him in the food service area Uh, to design a meal that would honor Black History Month, to have a special meal designed by them to honor Black History Month. So they did this. Two people uh, who work in food preparation for the students um, prepared this special meal, honor Black History Month. So the students came into the dining hall, and there was a sign-up of Black History Month. And on the menu was barbecued ribs, cornbread, collard greens, and two beverages, which one- student took offense at the two said had racist connotations the two beverages were Kool-Aid and watermelon flavored water so to get to the irony of this story the the menu was created by two black employees at, at the request of the head of the food service department to try to honor black history month one student became offended by the content of that menu took a picture of the sign, took a picture of the menu, sent a blast email out, complained to the university, complained to the food service it was racist and why she shouldn't have to put up with this. It was so insulting. Um, And the two black employees who designed the menu got fired. Just think about that. They lost their jobs. For trying to do something to honor Black History Month, even if you think, if you were of the mindset that is offended by thinking that, you know, all black like the same food or whatever it is, the notion that you would lose your job for doing that, I, I just, I, I found that truly incredible. Um, and so I, I share that to say, you know, nothing, no good deed goes unpunished, I guess, is, is the moral of that story. Um, another just quick cruise to the news story, and probably the last one I'll fit in tonight but there was a, um, a teacher or there was a, a classroom in Wisconsin and um, the, a teacher had up on the wall. This is at Roosevelt Elementary School in a fourth grade classroom. A teacher had up on the wall a poster that said, in God, we trust. And also she had up a picture frame that had the American flag and the words God bless America on the on this poster with the American flag. Well, an atheist teach uh, an atheist parent complained, and this parent is involved in the freedom from religion society, freedom from religion, they hate religion, so complained that his child should have to go in a classroom and see In God We Trust, kind of like you see in every single uh, dollar bill in America, all all our paper money in America, but the school had to take it down. She was told she had to remove those from her classroom because one student a child was offended by having to see the words In God We Trust— I tell you, folks, it's, an, it's a sad day in America when that guy won that argument. Okay, we're zipping off to a break. Senator Bob Hall joins us after the break to talk about the issues facing Texas. Don't go away.
1: Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and if necessary legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now.
0: You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org.
1: America faces unprecedented threats to our national security.
3: And
0: welcome back to America, Can We Talk? I swear there's some weird time warp thing out here. The time just races by, and it kind of bothers me um, because I enjoy so much talking with you about America, about politics. And I really enjoy this next person we have joining us tonight. We have on the line, I believe we have on the line, Texas State Senator Bob Hall. Hi, Senator.
4: Well, hello, Debbie. Good evening. Thanks very much for having me back on again.
0: Love having you on. Always love talking with you. Um, and I will tell you, if you're listening in Colorado Springs or Phoenix, this is one of our stellar in Texas, serious conservative state senators who's just uh, just so appreciated by, by everyone who's uh, an activist in the Republican and the conservative movement. But so I want to have you on. So here in Texas, we have early primaries. I think it might be the earliest in the country. But in any case, we have primaries coming up. And I wanted to um, try to talk to Senator Hall. He represents in, in the state of Texas, in our state legislature, Senate um, district two. And um, I just want to hit on, in the middle of this kind of frenzied primary season, what do you, uh, I wanna, I'm not sure in which order I wanna do these in, but I wanna start with, you know, there. if you could just name your three initiatives you wanna get done if you are reelected to the legislature, what are your top three things you think need to get done for the state of Texas?
4: Well, Debbie, there are so many things we really need to get done. It's hard to put you know necessarily the top three, but me personally the the biggest issue is our grid security that That is the number one issue that I want to push because I'm really the only one in the legislature who is actually seriously trying to do something to protect the lives of the of the people here in Texas by protecting our electrical grid. Against the terrorist attack with uh, what's popularly known as the EMP threat or electromagnetic pulse threat, uh, that would be my number one. Uh, then, then number two, I join with our governor and lieutenant governor in bringing property tax relief to the citizens of Texas. Property taxes have just uh, gotten totally out of hand and are running people out of their homes uh, throughout Texas, and it's time that we we cleaned up the whole process. Uh, and got it under control so that folks are not going to be losing their homes, and uh, as a result of this this out of control growth that we see in many parts of the tech, of, of the state. Now it's not happening in all of all of the state, where there are some local governments that operate very responsibly and and do keep their spending intact and their and their uh, property tax intact. But there are parts that do need protection, and so that that would be that the second one and then the third one is to continue to advance the protection of life. I am I'm a 100% pro-life uh person. Uh that is uh pro-life absolutely no exceptions. And uh we've made while we have made some strides in the in the legislature, uh we do have a ways to go. We still allow third trimester abortions uh under uh, Uh, Certain conditions, but those conditions, the way the law is written, it actually leaves Planned Parenthood and the abortionists a backdoor as an excuse for uh, late abortions. Uh, We could have ended that this past session, but my opponent uh, uh, led the floor fight to kill an amendment that would allow that to happen. And uh, hopefully that she will not be in the Senate, anywhere near the legislature this next session, and we can get that bill passed. So that's what I would call my top three.
0: Well, that is a lot. That sounds like enough um, right there. I know you said you had many more, but that that sounds like a lot. I want to go back to the first one you mentioned, the grid. And the reason I'm curious about it is I know that some people I see on Facebook um, mocking that as a priority. I know it was a a huge fight in the... um, not just a huge fight in the legislature, but kind of raising awareness of it enough within the um, the energy sector, within the, insu- the people who are the insurers and with the voters in Texas to understand the nature of the threat, the death of the threat. And I, I know we only have a short segment here, but can you explain, you know, what why is it such a priority to you? what is the danger that you're trying to prevent happening?
4: Well, what it is is the is. The they kind of thing that could absolutely cripple America put us back into the eighteen hundred instantly by totally destroying anything that's electrical electronics with one small nuclear weapon. That could be could be launched uh, using a medium range missile off the back of a cargo ship and detonated a couple hundred nautical miles above the central part of the United States. And it would knock out uh, anywhere from 90 to 100 percent of the electrical electronics in in the United States uh, in just one incident of it. And to the extent that it would would not be restorable. And electricity is the third most important thing to sustaining life, as we know it today. The only two things more important are air and water. Many people live a lot longer without food than they will without electricity. And terrorists would dearly love to take down the United States. This would be the ultimate in a terrorist attack on the United States. It is not far-fetched. It only takes one small nuclear weapon. It could easily be put in the hands of a terrorist or action by a rogue nation like North Korea or Iran. could easily do
0: it. You know, one thing I was going to mention. Our listeners know we've had Frank Gaffney of the Center for Security Policy on the show many times, and this is a, he is largely focused on just the Center for Security Policy is focusing on protecting America, you know, in every from other many possible threats. But this is one he has recently become focused on. Um, a, Recently, in comparison with the founding of his organization, the uh, electromagnetic pulse, the destruction of the, of the electrical grid. And I think some people hear it and they think, well, but this happens all the time. We have thunderstorms and so the power goes out and you're out of power for two hours or maybe even for 24 hours. But they they, they don't recognize that the destruction that could occur to the – not it's not your local power station. It's the actual entire grid could mean – days weeks months without power is that right what I you said?
4: Uh, no no we're we're talking about such a such a extensive destruction of our of the equipment within the power grid system itself that it would be virtually impossible to replace it all Because what you're going to lose are are the trucks and automobiles to be able to haul the equipment. And we don't even make a lot of the equipment here in the United States. It's manufactured abroad and takes 24 to 36 months to get it. And we don't have near enough parts if we had some way to even get them out into the field because we rely so much on vehicles that uh, that will that their electro- electronics will be destroyed in them, that, that we won't have the wherewithal. We will be in the horse and buggy era very quickly.
0: Okay, and you know that the, um, it's one of those things – that expression about tinfoil hat concern, people say, well, that's just so far-fetched. And it may be that there is, you know, not immediate danger tomorrow, although maybe there even you could argue there is tomorrow. But this notion of attacking electric grid is not something that was just conjured up in a in, in a dark, you know, secret policy room here in America. It's been discussed by terrorists in this world. It's been discussed, it's been alluded to by the North Korean leader who simply hates all of us. It's been alluded to by some of the Islamic terrorists. So. It's not something that is just an abstract concern, right?
4: Oh, absolutely not. And we have the same weapon in our arsenal. Matter of fact, in Desert Storm, uh, uh, General uh, Schwarzkopf requested, wanted permission to use an EMP attack on Baghdad before going in as an ultimate way to bring them to their knees quickly. And it was rejected because it would have been so devastating i mean it's total elimination of elect, of electricity in, in in the country and surrounding countries because you couldn 't just live in it to baghdad and that would have been devastating for the civilian population, so we opted not to use it when we could could use it and we we know we have documentation proving that both the Russians and the Chinese have the capability we know that they leaked the uh, uh, capability the 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 technical information necessary to the north koreans and and there's good good reason to believe that they have provided what what would be needed to terrorist groups so that they wouldn't be held accountable for it because they know our retaliation would be great against them i, I think our biggest threat is against a terrorist group or or a rogue nation like iran or north korea and we have known about this for for decades now
0: yeah i remember hearing actually it was quite a few years ago and heritage foundation did some uh At some event in Dallas we went to, that's the first time I'd heard about it. And at the first, I had the reaction, okay, so we have to rebuild the power station, the local power station kind of reaction. Until I realized I started envisioning what they were talking about, which is if you don't have power and you cannot restore it, you you lose the capacity to transport anything. You lose the capacity to refrigerate anything. You lose the capacity to, I mean, all of the things you assume, you don't even recognize electricity is running behind the scenes, keeping it all moving. So huge issue. And I I, I will say I've been very disappointed in several people who uh, have online in in various ways or in various um, meetings mocked this as a tinfoil hat issue. It is like, it's like the kind of issue, if it ever happened, everyone would be looking to the government and saying, why did you you didn't protect the grid? You, you left us this helpless. I mean, why didn't you do this? And so we have the capacity. If I had more time, I'd talk about your background. The military makes you uniquely capable of working on this issue. But we don't have that much time. So I want to go back and just say the, this primary is coming up in Texas. March 6th. Early voting has started now. Um, so just overall, how's it going? Your campaign, we have about 20 seconds.
4: I think it's going very well. And I would just remind people that that. Our bill would have passed this past session except for the Speaker of the House, who was supported by my opponent. And so what's tr- extremely important in this election that I do think is going well well for us here is that she not be put in the Senate where she would uh, continue to be an obstruction for us to be able to get this bill passed.
0: Texas State Senator Bob Hall, thank you so much for calling in. Folks, this is America Kimmy Talk. Come back after our break.
5: The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org.
0: That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiades. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. Welcome back. I'm Debbie George Addis. Love, love, love every Sunday night of my life. Talking to you on America, Can We Talk? Love doing this show. Uh, Always lament the uh, hour, the two hours go by so quickly, but we still have half an hour left. I have so much more to talk with you about. And you know, the show, if you've never listened before or just tuning in, my show is forever and always dedicated to preserving the unique greatness of America, talking about it, a reviving the passion in America for people, more people to understand the why America is great, to encourage people to ex- embrace and protect the exceptional identity of America, and to try to tie the issues we talk about, all the current events and issues and political things going on, to the larger question of how do you preserve and hold on to the greatest, most extraordinary, exceptional country on earth? That's my that's my little, that's my big mission. I mean, it is because I just feel like we would be so much more able as a country if we could put aside labels and, um, and, and just really talk about what America is to the world and how do we make it, how do we keep it that way? I think we'd find more agreement on more issues if we could talk, speak in those terms. But I do want to thank the sponsor of our show before I go any further. Uh, this show, which I'm so grateful is on in Dallas, Fort Worth, and in Phoenix and Colorado Springs, a couple other smaller cities. I love talking to you about politics. I love talking, and as I don't even like saying the word politics. I love talking with you about preserving America. But my show is sponsored by GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Could not do the show without them. So appreciate them. Okay, so I want to turn, there were some revelations this week in the ongoing, um, Mueller, FISA, FBI, Russia-Trump collusion. Yeah, it's like you should have one of those long strings. You know when the news will put—some uh, article will try to tie in, you know, 25 different words, and they run them all together in one word. That's how this, this is um, coming to be. But some, some things happened this week that do matter in this ongoing investigation by special counsel Robert Mueller into the alleged collusion between Trump—President uh, Trump or candidate Trump and his team—and the Russians— this notion that somehow President Trump was able to be elected because uh, of, of interference in our elections by Russia. And so to be really clear, we talked many times about this. There still has been, after a year and a half of digging and digging and of, of, of special counsel Mueller hiring a team of Hillary Clinton loving, Donald Trump hating, Democrat bootlicker lawyers, has not scrounged up one iota of evidence that the trump campaign colluded with the russians that was the entire premise of why he was appointed a special counsel we've learned since this all came out that the um the basis which the fbi used to go to or the department of justice used to go to the fisa court to get a warrant to start spying on president trump and his team was a trashy you know uh Bit of campaign opPO research paid by the hill paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, paid to Fusion GPS, I hired Christopher Steele, and they came up with this Russian dossier. Uh, just just a complete, you know, complete um, evisceration of the standards that the FBI is supposed to follow. And we had—I uh, think it was just this past week—we had Sidney Powell on, you know, prominent former federal prosecutor, who was able to describe um, in, in great, serious, and substantive detail what uh, is going on. Well, what happened this week in this story is that you know a few weeks ago, the Republicans from the House Intelligence Committee, the Republicans released, uh, and Chairman Nunez released their summary, their release or summary. Of what they have uncovered so far in the House investigation, trying to figure out what happened, they uncovered what had been long um, suspected and and um, many people following it closely had concluded must have been the case, which was the FBI used this dossier, this you know campaign trash dossier to get a FISA warrant from the FISA court to spy on President Trump, so this is this is the powers that be. President Obama is still present. The Democrats are still in charge of all those agencies. The Democrats using the apparatus of the national security agencies to spy on a political enemy. Profoundly corrupt. Prof- just could not be more egregious in, its, in, its, in, the, in, the, in the entirety. But— so because there was uh, there was so much speculation about what have the republicans learned in this ongoing investigation of the fbi and the doj which have both been stalling and dragging their feet and not trying and trying not to cooperate the Re- republicans released their summary so this week the democrats the democrat minority on both the house in the house intelligence committee they released their memo uh in to respond to what the republicans said and honestly you know i i am a lawyer by background i i actually like to read and can get pretty wonky and re- read in detail and substance they didn't have anything to say they just didn't have anything to say of substance that was that was pers- that was persuasion they just kind of that they, they failed to refute the fundamental allegations that, the, that were put up by Chairman Nunez and the House Intelligence Committee. And, and you can, if you go to our website, you, you we put up a link to actually a great summary from the, uh, the Gateway Pundit website, but a great summary, uh, the response by Chairman Nunez in which he went, you know, went through allegations that were in the Democrat memo and just responded with facts. Just Facts. I mean, you know, things they would say, well that didn't happen. Well, yes it did. Actually, so and so testified to that. So and so has admitted that. I mean, they they didn't they don't have anything to say. They the Democrats are really stuck on this one. They are they are stuck in they have been exposed that their party through the their their control, the FBI and the Department of Justice in the Obama era and the continuing, even under President Trump's presidency, when you have so many people still supportive of the Democrat Party and President Obama. In the higher echelon levels of the FBI and Department of Justice, continuing this uh, allegation, which was not, has never been uh, panned out. But I want to talk to you specifically about trying to explain where uh, one very, very noteworthy, serious um, analyst is talking about where he thinks Robert Mueller's headed. I mean, Robert Mueller has gotten some indictments and I had a friend text me the other day and say, well, oh, don't these indictments mean that that President Trump was colluding? So to be clear, everyone who's been indicted by Robert Mueller, everyone who's pled guilty to anything is either pleading guilty to a you know process charge, meaning. Claim that they somehow perjured themselves or obstructed justice, didn't, you know, or lied to the FBI. And, and even some of those charges are now, they they, it appears they're going to have to be walked back because they, they were not valid. But the allegations against Manafort and Gates, the two guys that were, that this, the news was about this week, um, have nothing to do with Russian interference in America's election. Now, there was an indictment last week, to be clear, by Robert Mueller, of some Russians who live in the country of Russia who apparently were engaged in America in trying to squirrel, squirrel around inside our election and use Facebook and social media to just stir up the American people, to cause us to distrust our system, distrust our government. I mean, there was Russian activity, which apparently happens almost every election cycle, and which, quite frankly, be very, very clear, President Obama did to undermine uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's re election in Israel. President Obama openly sent over people to fight against the re election of Benjamin Netanyahu. So there's not some, you know, this is not like no one's ever heard of this ever before in the civilized world. There is unfortunate, unfortunately interference uh, by other countries in our elections, in an attempt to, you know, topple our security, attempt to point fingers, attempt in some way um, undermine America. But um, this, it's it just, it could not be more important to understand that if we don't get to the bottom of this, understand what was the wrongdoing, who was is, who is in charge of this operation inside the FBI, who was going along with it, and, and how do we stop this? Why it's so important is we don't want our national security agencies to become like a third world banana republic where every incumbent power, uses the their, their power over the agencies to crush their political enemies. That's not supposed to happen here. That's not okay in America. Even if it's okay anywhere else, not okay in America. And I'm going to think, because we're getting close to the break, I, I want to be careful. I want to walk you through something a little bit complex That, but it's really important to understand. It's an article by Andrew McCarthy who is a formal federal prosecutor, um, brilliant, brilliant legal mind, and also a pretty strong defender of Robert Mueller, even during since the time that many people have started to question Robert Mueller and, you know, why is he on this witch hunt? Everyone can see there's nothing to it. Why doesn't he break? Why doesn't he stop? Andrew McCarthy has been pretty much defending him. So I want to share with you what Andrew McCarthy wrote about. what well, he's, he's really trying to say he thinks Mueller is doing with these latest indictments. He thinks what Mueller is trying to set up with his latest indictments is this latest investigation and another indictment against Gates. He got a guilty plea from Gates, another indictment of Manafort. I want to expl- to tell you what he thinks that Mueller is doing, because maybe it's going to turn out to be a good thing that Mueller dug as deep as he did. And it's going to prove out what all of us, many people have realized that, there, you know, Hillary's just disappointed. She lost the election and the Democrats try to come up with a big concocted Russia story involving President Trump. This simply was not true. But I'm going to tell you about that after the break. Now, explain that, and then I want to turn to what's happening in the city of San Francisco, which is becoming a lot like a third world country. Come right back after the break.
3: On August 2nd, 2006,
1: Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes' hope home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of
6: talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers, it's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield.
1: Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans, in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now.
3: Can you hear us now? Can you hear us All right, and
0: welcome back. Thanks so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk. Before I get you, I really want to explain to you, it's very important to understand what Andrew McCarthy is saying what he thinks that Mueller is up to because I think it makes sense and maybe make you feel a little bit better about Mueller, who I hadn't felt that good about in a long time. Before I do that, I want to encourage you on a couple of things. Number one, every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, hi, thank you for watching. Every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, I do a podcast during the week, and I'm starting this coming week to add some more. I used to do these things you know, three points in three minutes, so please visit our Facebook page, America Can We Talk? Frequently, I'll put new videos up, just little points on you know, short videos on one point or two um, as we go through the week, um, because I think it's important, you know, to to stay informed. And, and I love sharing with you, our listeners and the, and people who email and follow me on Twitter um, to, to share, you know, kind of our reactions, what's happening, to things during the week. So tune into Facebook Live and check in during the week. Um, also, if you want to email me, my radio related email address is America. Can talk? at gmail.com feel free to email me say hey why don't you talk about this or you know i'm tired of this topic whatever you want just you know i love talking to our listeners and email is a great way to do it i also hope that you'll follow me on twitter at debbie can we talk and that's also a great way to communicate if you're following me on twitter um and then i want to mention again that um that okay this coming wednesday by the way this coming wednesday in the podcast i'm going to just tell you ahead of time two things i really want to hit I'm going to talk a little bit about the Me Too feminist movement and how it, what that really does, um, how it's playing out in America, how it's actually kind of um, backfired to a degree and, and, and you know, how we deal with that. I, I want to talk about the Me Too thing. And I also want to talk about all the activity seeming to be happening around Twitter and some on Facebook, where it seems like conservatives are suddenly losing, you know, 2,000 followers, suddenly uh, losing. Uh, and, and just the way that Facebook and Twitter and YouTube can really play with uh, social media, play with sounds nice, contort social media, you, manipulate social media, to prevent the conservative message from getting out there, and and what a profound consequence that has in America, because fewer and fewer Americans subscribe to newspapers, and and they they don't get their uh, news from the evening news on their their local you know uh, station. They rely on they rely on. Not that they get all the news from Twitter, but they rely on Twitter to tell them news, to catch up on things, to give them links to articles, uh, to, to share viewpoints. It's kind of become Twitter and Facebook and YouTube are kind of the modern day public square the place that you go talk, like in, in colonial days that you go talk. That's what it is. And so to have interference with that, even though they're private, they're not run by the government or owned by the government, there is some element of responsibility that simply must fall on people who are in charge of and, and running those organizations. And and to the extent they are doing what is uh, alleged, um, it's very serious. And I, I think there are some possible governmental remedies if they keep it up. Okay. So, But I want to go back to this you know, this Mueller investigation has dragged on and, and people are frustrated with it and, and um, kind of um, just they many people have said, why doesn't President Trump just fire a special counsel Mueller? You know, and and, you know, you I know, there are historic of examples of why that didn't sound to be such a good idea. But one thing I just thought was interesting what Andrew McCarthy had to say and finally get to telling you what he had to say. He was saying that both Manafort and Gates, the two people who are now kind of in his in Robert Mueller's, you know, target zone, he's, he's targeting them. He's charging them with things. He came up with um, other charges uh, again, more most recently. I'm not even going to try to go through the long story because it's not that interesting. But what Manafort and Gates historically have done, been involved with Russians, Ukrainians, political parties pulling strings in Russia. They've been in the middle of that for a long time. And at the time that President Trump chose to hire, um, in fact, the one more indictment happened, a lawyer, a Skadden-Arps lawyer, um, I think working in London or Paris, London, I think, anyway, was also indicted this week. An American citizen, but indicted. Um, and so, all of this intrigue is spinning around about what Manafort and Gates did and 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 with respect to Russians. So, Even though that was known about them and would have been known by anyone who was vetting and making the decision whether on President Trump's campaign to hire them, those kind of activities were known. So Mueller, according to Andrew McCarthy, is kind of putting the squeeze on Manafort and Gates to say if there's any Russian connection here between the Trump campaign and the Russians— Um, it's got to be through Manafort and Gates. They're the ones who know all these people. They know all the players. They're involved, involved. Extensive ties to operatives connected to Putin's regime, especially Kremlin-backed Ukrainians. So they're in that position, Manafort and Gates are. Then they are hired on to the Trump campaign, and this is where Mueller feels he has the best opportunity to dig in and say, look, if anybody knows what's going on between if anything was happening between Trump and the Russians, Manafort and Gates are the ones who know. So he's putting the squeeze on them, got an indictment, got got a, a guilty plea out of Gates for something. Um, and so the point that McCarthy is making is if Mueller wants to try to redeem this investigation. Because right now, Robert Mueller's name, and certainly in conservative circles, is mud. He has spent a year and a half and millions and millions and millions of dollars investigating something based on what appears to be an outrageously unreliable uh, dossier that caused the issuance of of the um, surveillance warrants and the FISA court that got all of this started. So Mueller is trying, says Andrew McCarthy, uh, to do two things. Make sure that he's gotten anything he can out of Gates and Manafort. He knows. It um, doesn't necessarily think he can make a case against Trump, but he wants to get the collusion question squeezed down, finalized. If there's nothing there, he's got no other place to go, and that can be done. But the second thing more, almost more, it is more interesting is McCarthy saying Robert Mueller wants to redeem his reputation, the FBI's reputation the Department of Justice's reputation, the reputation of all these, what I have referred to as shady characters involved in this whole mess that you were hearing Sidney Powell in our interview last week talk about, you've heard John Guandolo in the show talking about. Mueller is trying to figure out whether he can, to any degree, correct what any kind of unfair criticism of those people, unfair criticism of the FBI, that he wants to say, Prove there was enough there that it was reasonable that people in the Obama FBI, Obama Department of Justice, actually had legitimate reason to be concerned. That he can't justify the intelligence leaks. He cannot justify the, you know, the leaks to the media. And he can never justify what Comey did, you know, leaking something on purpose to get a special prosecutor appointed. But he is trying to. He may be trying to correct or uplift the reputation of people who've been really criticized throughout this process um, to say that they had, you know, they maybe they were over-anxious, but they had a reason to be worried, a reason to do an investigation. And and so to the extent he can flesh this out through Manafort and Gates, you can say, look, you know, there was some stuff there. There's enough reason to go down the path they did because of the concerns that were raised by that um, relationship. So... I don't really think anything that I just told you that Andrew McCarthy is saying is motivating Mueller justifies many things we've talked about in the show over the last several weeks. But I do think, I do think that it's probably, I mean, Andrew McCarthy's tried very hard throughout this to stay you know, to, to be very uh, fair in his critique, fair in his assessment, I have felt numerous times he's far too, gives far too much license or credit to Mueller, always seeing, well, maybe he's got a good motive, maybe he's really only doing this, and maybe that's all that you're seeing now when Andrew McCarthy's doing is just, again, trying to resurrect Mueller's reputation. But um, it may be we're near the end of this, and Mueller's going to say, you know, there's just nothing else there, and what he's done in terms of indicting people is still, at the end of the day— not going to prove out the primary allegation, which was Trump and Russia colluded, which they did not do. Everyone's already figured out. Okay, I, just, I really, I just, I, I kind of like that because I think maybe it means we're nearing the end of this, and Mueller con- is going to say, "Look, I've done, I've dug out every out, every rabbit hole, dug it all out. There's just nothing there." Anyway, okay, I want to finish the this show on a different um, topic, just briefly. So I mentioned to you in the beginning we were at CPAC, and one of the things that was at CPAC. There was a there was a uh, as I mentioned at the start of the show, I think uh, a presentation on video. It was not live at CPAC. It was from Colorado Christian University. It had two alleged conservatives debating back and forth um, the uh, marijuana legalization and its impact, and whether it was a conservative thing, is a states' rights issue, or is it a or is it a you know just something we should be doing for our society. What I wanted to tell you, and I realize I'm talking too fast. I hear my mother's voice saying, "Slow down." Okay. But I want to tell you is that one consequence I mentioned the show before from the Colorado uh, turning blue, turning left wing, and the reason I want to talk about this tonight in this brief time we have left is that there's a major league mindset difference between the conservative worldview and the liberal worldview, and the liberal worldview, as is, as we're seeing in Denver, they meet, recently passed a statute that said um, in in Denver they will no longer fine or in any way punish someone. Who relieves himself or herself on public sidewalks in the public, out in public? You can do your business anywhere. And the, the thinking behind it was both because the refugees we're bringing into Denver don't know any better, and so we just we don't want, we don't want to criminalize this, and because people who have ingested large amounts of THC and the now legalized marijuana often can't control their bodily functions. So I say all that to say this is the liberal mindset. Instead of trying to resolve the problem, assume people can be lifted out of this, you know, third world standards that we, instead of holding up Western culture and saying, no, it's better to have hygienic habits and clean streets. We're going to surrender and say, because people coming here don't know these things, we're going to change ourselves and kind of lower the standard to, to the... um to the uh, standards of the countries they came from. On a similar kind of note, in San Francisco, there was a recent report, again, in San Francisco, a report about the, in fact, you can now buy a, poop map in San Francisco to warn you where not to walk in the city because so many people are relieving themselves in the public streets and they don't do anything about it in San Francisco. And I raise all that to say, there's many more details of the story which I will spare you, but I really wanted to get a difference in the mindset of just America preserving conservatism, which is we actually like Western civilization standards. We actually expect people coming here to, we want to lift them up to join Western civilization standards. And the left-wing mindset, which is, it's always okay to dumb down, dumb down, dumb down our standards instead of stand up for them, instead of standing up for what America is. And on that note, I love talking to you every Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. Talk to you next week.
5: Listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to americacanwetalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America.